What's up, team? Welcome back to Master Your Mindset Podcast, the spot to get your mind right. I have a dear friend on the show today, Dusty Bailey. He's a national sales director at Paychex, leading hundreds of people, um, top performer, amazing human, amazing husband, amazing father. And y'all can't see this, but on the Zoom, this dude's looking fresh right now with a fit, got the little pocket square, got the sport coat, got that nice haircut, man. You're looking handsome, Dusty. Hey, hey. Colin, listen, I appreciate the introduction, but listen, don't get it twisted. I'm still rocking all white Harachis. All so, white Harachis? Suit, well, I will, suit on the top, but party on the bottom. I'll, I'll match the all white Harachi with the all white 1990 Air Max. Let's go. Um, I, I, do, I do respect someone who has a, a good shoe game. No, but uh, I, want, I wanted Dusty to jump on the podcast. Um, and I wanted to focus this episode on leadership. And I love finding friends mentors colleagues who get it and from day one remember having coffee with with dusty at anthem coffee years ago um, we got re reconnected on linkedin i knew dusty back in high school and to see what he's done in his life what he's built from nothing to being a national sales director to a a really successful company who's moved up the ranks and i would attest we can talk about this just talking to dusty and knowing his heart knowing his philosophy and leadership he sees the importance on what mindset does on pouring into the person, uh, giving them tools beyond sales strategy, sales psychology, sales strategy. And Dusty's been one of my go-to people in the corporate world where, are we on like year three, like collaborating, man? Four, buddy, four. Year four, year four. So how about this? Why don't you give the listeners who don't know you um, just a real quick kind of background, like your, your, your backstory, where you came from. Yeah, listen, hey, thanks, Colin. I, I really appreciate the time and, and, and thanks for the great intro. And right back at you, man. I feel honored and blessed to be on this podcast. Um, I was joking with you, but this is a career highlight for me, man. You big time now. So I'm super excited about it. So yeah, listen, a little bit about me. Um, you know, born and raised in Tacoma, Parkland area. Um, grew up in um, a single uh, parent household. Um, and, you know, after graduating from high school, uh, went off to Central Washington University. I uh, got a degree in public relations. Um, you know, I started with finance, but I didn't like the early morning classes, Colin, and I realized I was a people person. So we ended up in PR. But after, you know, doing that and realizing that uh, I needed a break from all of the campaigns that I led my senior year, I, I stuck with a career in banking. Um, I had been working since I was 16 years old. I started with WAMU um, at 18 and um, right after college, got an assistant manager job back in my hometown. And from there, I spent, you know, 10 years at Washington Mutual. Then I spent another seven years within a couple other banks. So 17 years as a banker. Um, and then I found paychecks, right? I reached a point where banking wasn't what it was. And uh, paychecks recruited me about eight years ago. Um, culture, everything fit, came over here and had a phenomenal career um, doing it. And, you know, from a leadership perspective, I've been leading people since I was 24 years old. And I had turned 42 this year. So that gives you a background that I've been leading for a very long time. I love it. So how about this? I'm put you on the spot. I love this thought. Success leaves clues. The best focus on less, not more. Do you know your philosophy on how to lead, how to elevate people? Can you scale success? Well, what is your philosophy, Dusty Bailey? How, how do you, how do you, how do you lead people? Yeah, I think it comes down to a couple of Oh, here we go. Internal stuff, getting a phone call while we're doing this. Um, it comes down to a couple of things, Colin. For me, it's 
you know, meeting people where they're at, right? A lot of times people are in a situation where they might not believe that they can do something or they're letting past experiences hold them back or past leadership, you know, that broke them down, keep them from breaking through their, their, their true potential. So what I would say is meeting people where they're at, understanding their why. And I like to tell people, right, it, it's, the, it's the 3G approach with me. It's your why, my why, and the company why, and we tie them all together so we all win together, right? So if you think about it, if I'm sitting with the sales rep, on their level or a leader on their level or, or even executive and find out what makes them tick, what they're about, the things that they're trying to accomplish. I tie that to what I'm trying to do and we get on the same page. Then I say, hey, here's what the company's trying to do. And here's how all the three of us align to that. Then you start moving them in the direction you need them to go and breaking them through barriers they never thought. Then along the way, it's about, you know, are you giving supportive accountability is what I call about it, right? So many people want to bring accountability, want to bring the hammer, but they don't want to bring the supportive. So are you dissecting the problem? Are you really understanding why somebody's not doing something or not achieving what you need them to do? And then are you walking them through how to get there, right? When you think about it, it comes down to three things, Colin, why someone's not doing the job. They don't want to do the job. It's not right for them. You weren't very clear as a leader in what you expected and how they need to get there and showing them or they don't like working for you. It really is those three things. So if you have that conversation with somebody and you get to the brass tacks and you're transparent and you can communicate, you can really get to the root cause of what's going on, right? The five why exercise. If you ask somebody why, and you don't say anything else, they explain it, you say why, you keep going, they're eventually gonna get you a root cause of what the problem is, right? And then I think the last thing is, and this is where I'm very scalable about it is, and I've done it my entire career. What's the solution? We all got problems, man. 99 problems, but nobody cares, right? 10% of the world is glad you got them. 90% don't care. So what's the solution, right? Anytime you're in any position, whether it's personal, professional, um, there's always a solution. But people always want to focus on the problem and not how to get out of that problem. And that, that's what I try to focus on. Is our, what's our solution? It can't change the problem, but we can change the outcome if we focus on something else, if that makes sense, Colin. That's really good. I would love to pick your brain, you know, founding my company and uh, working with people, trying to recruit people. I would love to get your practices on how you, how you hire. Like, what do you look for traits, um, skill sets? And then what are you trying to figure out about them to determine, yeah, this is the right fit? Yeah, it, it's funny. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, my company will probably kill me for saying this, but I hire for me, not for the organization, not for the job, not for, you know, the situation. I hire for me. Can they work for me? Can they follow me? Can they take my coaching? Can they handle the intense person that I am, right? And the expectations that I have. And what I've realized is if you're a solutions-minded person, if you've had a background where you've had to overcome something, you're an athlete, you're an achiever, you, you know, you're a single parent who has a strong why of what I want to do, you fit my mold, right? If you are a, like, I'm just going to figure it out, give me some guidance, some support, some, some love and water me and inspire me and develop me and show me the way I'm going to get it done. But if you're somebody that I have to sit on constantly and micromanage and remind you a hundred times to do, that's not the right fit for me, right? So I hire for what I need as a leader. Then the second thing I hire for is, can the capabilities of what we're doing link up to your needs, right? I'm never trying to put a circle in a square. 
right? So whatever I'm hiring for in paychecks example, if you don't love small businesses, if you don't love to make money, if you don't love to be accoladed, if, if you don't like to work hard and hustle and grind, and if you're not trying to, you know, you know, sell a value solution, then you're not the right fit, right? Like, you know, and so I think a lot of leaders make the mistake of putting a circle into a square, right? And then the last thing I would say, Colin, is I'm always hiring, right? I might be fully staffed, but I'm always hiring. I'm never rushing to hire. And if I have a position, I'll leave it open. But I'm always interviewing, always recruiting. It's funny that you asked that because I just called 10 people this week of people that I want to keep on my bench, keep close, keep excited about opportunities I might have in the future. And every one of them is like, great, call me back when the time's right. And I think that's the thing we miss too. We hire reactively. We don't hire proactively. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. And I think that's the problem people run into, right? And we we get desperate with our hiring decisions and we have to stop that. That's good. I like it, man. It's finding the right people that that fits. You know, you're building your culture and, and your image and your philosophy on what's worked for you. And it's obviously worked. You've you've done great. Um, how about this last question on that topic? What's your favorite question to ask someone when you're trying to hire somebody? Man, that is that is a good one. Colin, I think the biggest thing I like to find out, right, is I will ask them, tell me a time that you failed. And I don't mean, like, I don't mean like some rant. I'm like, tell me a time you got punched in the mouth. Give me an example, right? My son started playing tennis two years ago during COVID, picked up the racket for the first time. And in COVID, he's trying to figure out a way, no tournaments, whatever. Throughout the last two years, he's gotten really good. And he's told himself, I'm a trot for varsity and make it. People around him are like, oh, but just in case you make JV, what happens if you don't, don't make it? JV will be fine. You'll be in your, your age limit, all that stuff. My son's like, no, I'm going to go for varsity. So long story short, he's trying out and he played three of the top players this week and smoked them up. So today we find out if he makes varsity. So the point I tell you that is the example of that situation, if he makes varsity fan fantastic he's going for it right if he doesn't he's going to get punched in the mouth and that's the story i want to hear how did he rebound by not making varsity and that's all he cared about that was his goal that's what he wanted what was the lesson how'd you rebound and what'd you do next right people forget the greatest athletes whoever you want to talk about fail you know me very well mj's my favorite got cut his freshman year how'd he come back right so the point i'm trying to make is if you can explain to me how you failed not some high level surface, get deep, man. how did you overcome, yeah. right? Like my story, when people ask me, I tell them everything I've gone through was counted out. No, don't let the suit fool you, Colin. I was the kid that, you know, was working at 15 to help my mom pay the bills, right? My mom worked two jobs, right? I'm the kid that, you know, had to put himself through college, like different things like that. People forget because they see my image and think, um, oh, you just, you had it, you had it. The, the path has been paved for you. No, it's the fail, the failure, that lets me know if they're going to be the right fit for me. That's great. And it's all shifting your perspective, your mindset on things happen uh, for me, not to me. Doom. Right. Yeah. And just, yeah. and, and being able to shift that perspective. Um, that's really cool. That's a good question. Cause it invites them to be vulnerable, invites them to be real. You give them an opportunity um, to really assess because you're going to fail in this job. You're going to fail a ton. Yeah. So, and if you, and if you haven't failed in life, you're not the right fit for this because you have Correct. to know how to respond or have that, that, that background. Um, how about this question? I get this question a lot. Uh, how do we have hard conversations with our people? Do you have a model or a system when you have to share some 
interesting news or they're not pulling their weight or you need them to change a behavior or you have to give them feedback? Like, how do you engage a difficult uh, conversation? Yeah, so here's what I would tell you. You just do it. Simplest answer, you just do it. Here's the thing. Like, if you think about it, there's this book called Eat the Frog, right? And what main concept is you do the hardest thing first and everything else gets easy, right? And so I learned a long time ago, if I put off a hard conversation, Colin, it becomes something so big and monstrous later on that I regret every minute of it, right? So I've learned, like, if I just rip the Band-Aid, lean in, have the conversation, the fallout is minimal compared to what it could be, right? Number two, like, when I was starting off and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? How do I have this conversation? I want people to like me. You know, I don't want them to quit on me, whatever, what have you. I would look myself in the mirror and I would say, what if I was in their position? Would I want to know what I need, what I'm about to tell them? right? The other thing, I always ask this question, what can happen if you don't have the conversation, right? So performance is lacking, right? If, you know, they're doing something unethical or whatever, you don't have this conversation, what's the, the outcome going to be if you don't have it, right? And then the last thing I will always tell people is, this is the scariest part. Everybody wants accountability, but nobody wants to admit it. Nobody right? Some of my best performances have come when I've been challenged, told to my face something I wasn't doing right, held accountable, or giving clear communication that no one was ever gave me before, right? I was asked this question a week ago, who's your favorite leader? And it's a leader I had a few years back. She was the only one that sat me down and told me exactly how it was, she didn't cater to me because I was a top performer. She didn't tell me the things that I needed, that I wanted to hear. She flat out told me what I needed to hear and what was preventing me from getting to the next level. Damn near crushed me, but the reality, it made me a better performer. So I think people forget that it can be a lot scary if you don't have the conversation and you're doing that person in front of you a disservice by not having the conversation, right? So three things I would tell you if you're new to it, Practice, write it down, say it out loud, look yourself in the mirror, okay? Write down all the bad things that can happen if you don't have this conversation, right? What could end up leading to, to something worse in the future? And then the last piece is ask yourself in the mirror, if it was flipped, would I wanna know this? And would I wanna have, the, have someone have the conversation with me? And that's how you get through hard conversations. But then have empathy, have understanding, not sympathy, empathy, understanding. I also tie in stories. I've been in your position, Colin. I've been written up before and it sucked. Here's how it felt. Here's what happened. But here's how I got out of it, right? That's great. And then give them a decision. Like I got to have this conversation one way or another. And at the end of the day, when we're done with it, you're going to feel one of two ways. And I'm going to give you time and space to get through those feelings. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to make a choice is either go this way or go this way. And this conversation is coming forward because of X, Y, and Z, right? Nine out of 10 times, what's crazy, and I know we're spending a lot on this topic, but it's good. The person that's scared to have a conversation, guess what? The person that you're supposed to have with already knows it's coming, already knows it's coming, already knows that they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So it's not like an aha moment. You're making it bigger than you need to make it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I wrote down a few things, but I actually, I took notes on yours. I love what you said there. A lot of good stuff, but 
I, I feel like step number one is um, have you earned the right to create a safe place to have these conversations where you get to know them on a human level and then they're not shocked when you bring this up, that you've, you know them as a human, you know their why, they know that you know the numbers aren't where they, or their behavior was not right. So they're not, they're not shocked. And I think the, the second one is um, clear is kind. If you're passive aggressive and like meander your way around the thing, like you're doing the person a disservice, like the, like like your manager that gave you feedback or your leader, yeah. like even though it was hard, like it was clear. Yep. And it came from a, a place of love. Uh, the third one is um, that those conversations, that feedback should go both ways. If they only hear from you when it's something wrong, that's a problem. Yep. Well, and Colin, I do a simple technique that anybody can do. I call it a skip level and I go all the way down to the rep level for my, my level. And I ask one line question, how are you doing? I don't ask anything else. How are you doing? And you know, what's so powerful about that question. If I put it in an email, one of three things happen. They give me a laundry list of stuff that's going wrong. They tell me I'm great. Things are fantastic. Or they don't respond. So I give some love to the things are fantastic. I pick up the phone to the person that has all these things going on. We talk through them. How can I help? How do we overcome? And the person that's not responding, either checked out, looking for another job, something's up. So I find out what's going on. When you do that same question, how's it going face-to-face, -face, body language, tone infliction, you can understand what's happening. But to your point, you haven't earned the right to have that hard conversation by understanding what's going on with them and knowing their background the conversation is not going to be a good one period in the story. But, and also this is from, we bought a zoo. It takes 10 seconds of courage. It's all it takes. Just do it. Just have the conversation. Just initiate. Just get, once you, once you get started across that barrier, you're going to know what to do. It's going to feel natural. Just moving through that fear to have that conversation. Okay. Let's shift gears. And I work with a lot of companies. I talk to a lot of leaders and I'm in these like discovery calls and trying to figure out, you know, what their needs are, what their obstacles are. And I hear a lot of common themes and I want to address some of them. And I know we've kind of had similar conversations or that touch these topics. And so I want to help listeners to our leaders. I hear a lot. How, how do I get my team motivated? Like, how do I get them bought into the mission, to the goals, to uh, just be on fire? Like, oh, uh, um, millennials, I hate saying that, but millennials or whatever it is, Gen Z or something like, well, it's our job to give them the resources tool. So how do you motivate your uh, team? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm smiling while you say that, because that is a big topic, right? And, you know, five generations on the workforce column. Okay. So mom, 75 working, Aiden, my son, he's about to be 16, be 18 in two years, two different individuals. And then you have everything in between. Right, so it comes down to a couple of things when I think about how do you motivate? Do you know what makes each of those people tick, right? Are you really understanding what their needs are? Because the 1990s leadership where you sit behind a desk and you just tell people to go do it and they gotta get it done, those are over, right? That is coming to an end. The, the, the era of like with a stick only is coming to an end, right? You have to be able to tie into each individual what they need, how to communicate with them appropriately, and quite frankly, tie it to what they're trying to accomplish, right? So I'll give you an example. When I came over into this virtual world, I realized really quickly that I had to communicate with different mediums. What I mean by that, 
face-to-face, FaceTime on my phone, text messages, WebEx team, Zoom, whatever. I'm even doing TikToks with some of my newer reps because that's how they, they're posting TikToks. And I'm like, okay, well, listen, I'm going to connect with this person by doing a business TikTok, right? Put myself out there. But I think the other thing too is inspiration comes with vulnerability, comes with consistency, comes with transparency, right? If I'm a leader who's consistent, I'm a leader that can be vulnerable and experience what you're experiencing and lead from the front and show you I'm not afraid to get punched in the mouth, right? The same way you are. And, and then I can be very clear with my communication. They'll start to follow, right? The other thing I've done is I put a daily cadence email every single day. And in that email, I give a quick review of our business. I talk about the top performers and then I put some kind of development or motivation. I've stole your content. I've stole other people's content, but I just bring them to places where they can get something more, right? And then I also think it's important to be in tune with what's going on in the surroundings. Mental health is a huge topic right now. So we do a wellness Wednesday every month, tie our people into that culture of how do we make them well, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, right? We make sure that we're talking about diversity, we're doing inclusion and equity con- uh, conversations and just tying people into a bigger cause, Colin, that's not just the job, right? I read this article two weeks ago and it talked about the new uh, pandemic in business is not people quitting in the great recession, it's people quitting in the job they have. So you used so to good. work- Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again, man. <laughs> let, let, the, let, the, let the people know, but you told me that the other day on like, that's really yeah. good. It's not a great recession where people are leaving and they want to go do something and find a different job is they're just quitting in the job they have. So if I'm working 40 hours a week, I'm now only working 25, 30 because I'm just like, whatever, I'm over it. Or if I used to be an employee that gave you 80, I'm now only giving you 40, right? Or if I'm an employee that used to sign up for extra projects, I'm like, I'm good. I'm just going to do what I need to do and shut it down, right? And so now you have to go back and re-interview all your employees, reconnect with them, tie their why to what you're trying to accomplish, what the company's trying to accomplish, but more importantly, hear what they need, right? One of the things that I realized, like with my team, each of them are different. I have one leader who inspires to grow into my job. Great. So everything I do is around how to get them to that job. I have another leader that everything's around her family and going to hockey games and going to uh, cheerleading. So how do I touch with her? How'd cheerleading go? Tell me more about hockey right? Hey, let's do early morning meetings so that you're going to have the afternoon to spend with your family, right? Those are the kind of things like you have to be in tune with what your people need, right? And then I think the last thing, Colin, is we are too quick, no matter performance or underperformance, to go right to the business, right? I had a, a, a top performer. She was a, a um, sales club award winner last year. Okay. Her numbers haven't been that great in Q1. I went back to the, how are you doing conversation? She wrote me a laundry list about like, I'm so concerned. I'm behind this and that, but my dad died. Then I had a wedding. I said, time out, picked up the phone. I said, none of that other stuff matters. Let's talk about your dad passing away. What happened? Oh my God. Tell me more. What can I do? Right. And then I ended with, I can't wait to give you a hug at sales conference. None of the conversation was about her results conference. Because now she's going to be inspired to come work harder for me because I heard where she was at. And I think that's the piece we miss. We always want to put results before understanding what people need. And inspiration comes when you know what they need. 
then you can go get them to do results. You can have them run through a, a, a wall for you if you understand what they need. Hey, what's up, Master Mindset listeners? Colin here, your mindset coach. I'm so excited. You can order my new book, Quiet Mind and Quiet Mind for Kids, right now on Amazon. Get the tools and strategies and tactics that I haven't shared on this podcast. So you get a mental emotional toolkit to lower nerves and increase unshakable confidence to perform at your best. I got Quiet Mind, which is for teens and adults, and Quiet Mind for Kids, which is for the youngsters. And parents, our kids need tools today to be their best. So go to Amazon right now and get your copy. Well, and you said the first thing you open your mouth is to meet them where they are. Yes. And that, and that, takes, that takes empathy. It takes curiosity. It takes caring. Um, and I get so frustrated when I hear leaders, oh, the people today, this generation, blah, 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 blah. Like, man, you need to evolve. The worst thing you can say is this is how we've always done it. You're stuck in, like I said, 1997. It's not 1997, so meet them where they are and stop blaming them and look at yourself in the mirror. You need to evolve as a leader, Yeah. right? It, Colin, are you still with me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, Zoom was, was freezing. It, you're so right with that. And it, it's more to like, I have reps hunt me down for a $5 Starbucks or $25 Grubhub more than they do audit their sales at the end of the month for commission check. It's not necessarily the, the money that does it for them or the title. It's about, are they being developed? Are they given opportunity to grow? I think the other thing people are afraid of, they hold on to their talent. So when I interview people on the front end, I'm saying, it's my job in 12 months to move you into another role. So we're going to do everything you can to be a superstar here. Then we're going to find you another job at paychecks, right? And if they end up staying in the role because they love the role, fantastic. But if we hold our talent, it's your job as a leader to keep finding new talent and moving your talent into other parts of your organization to make the company better. If you don't think like that, you shouldn't be in a leadership role, right? Because your job That's is so to true. make people better, just like a coach. A coach doesn't get into the job for the money, the trophies, the accolades, all that stuff's great, but they get in it to change young men and women's lives. You don't get into coaching because I'm going to make a million bucks today. I didn't start coaching at the Y because they're going to pay me all this money. I coached at the Y to watch these little kids who are afraid to play basketball at the start of the season, at the end of the season, tell me that they're going to now be basketball players, right? Mm -hmm. Changing people's lives. And that's what yeah. leadership is about too. And people forget that. And I think that's the thing we have to hone in. If you want inspiration and people to follow you, what is your true why are you in the job? What is your true why? What is your North Star? Ask yourself that. And if it's not about leading people, making people better, then you shouldn't be a leader. And no one's ever going to be inspired, inspiration to follow you. And the last thing That's is, I know you want to say something, Colin, but here's the last thing I'll tell you is I get more likes and follows on my LinkedIn when I do bucket challenge, dress up as Santa, right? Dress up as Frankenstein with my daughter and tie it into leadership and tie it into team than I do by posting results, posting articles, things like that. So again, what's your human side as a leader to get your people to want to follow you? Do they, what kind of dinner conversation are you creating? Are you sitting down with, you know, your spouse at the table or are your people sitting down with their significant other, their friend, their family, their, their, their colleague and talking good things about you at the dinner table? Or are they complaining about you at the dinner table? Ask yourself that as a leader. Yeah. Well, I think you have to shift your perspective and make it about us and them, not just about your numbers and how you look and so caught up on your ego and, and your pride. Um, let's talk about sales for a moment. Yeah. 
Let's go. I, I do really love the truth that sales psychology beats sales strategy. And you've been at the forefront of this evolution of how a lot of outside sales have had to evolve, adjust. COVID made that happen really quick, where now we're going to connect with people virtually. I mean, you've been on the cutting edge forefront in leading this new wave of like sales where you're motivating, inspiring, coaching, teaching how to connect, persuade, grow your business from a, a virtual platform. And I think if, if you can figure that out, that's going to be great for you because that's kind of where the, the future is. I, I do love face-to-face uh, uh, -face interaction, but like, how did you evolve? How did you, what skills do you develop to like get people on board to be full all in using this like route? Yeah. So it, it goes back to, you know, you know what I said earlier too, about leading from the front. So I had to do it myself. So I had to make the dials. I had to get on the technology and use the tools. I had to personally show that I can do it and understand what it was about. On top of that, I had to educate myself. Like you do a lot of reading about mindset and about coaching and, and, and that I had to start reading about what the buyer is thinking, how they're feeling. I started interviewing business owners myself to better understand what, where they stand, right? Is it hybrid? Is it face-to-face? -face? Is it virtual? And then I started looking at the data and analytics, Colin, where I'm a very inspirational leader. And one of the things I need to be better at is the data and analytics. And so I started looking at that of like, you know, what is the customer saying? How many are going inbound themselves? And, and are they doing it on the web themselves, researching at night versus wanting face-to-face? -face? How many appointments are we missing when we have a face-to-face? -face? Like you start adding up all the things that realize, okay, I can speed myself to the customer first, have an interaction on the front, show some value, then, and I can let them stay in their PJs, right? They don't have to have me just drop by randomly, right? There's a lot of value there, right? The other thing too is like people, to your point, psychology-wise, like people didn't feel safe. So instead of being afraid to have conversations about sales, I can't sell anybody, it's COVID. Like, no, how are they doing? Again, same thing, philosophy with your people, empathy, meet them where they're at, what's going on, and then start having a business conversation about how we're thriving, how we can help you thrive. And then I think the, the last thing too, Colin, is every conversation you have with a business owner, doesn't matter if it's face-to-face, -face, over the phone, email, whatever, and you know this because you're outsourcing new business. What's the value? At the end of the day, they're never going to buy from you if you're not bringing some kind of value, right? And, and I think that's the most important piece and the value that we bring in a virtual environment, right, is we can meet them where they're at without having to disrupt their current business, right? We don't have to go out to a lunch meeting and have drive time with gas prices. I mean, you name it, right? We don't have to just drop by in in their office. As a business owner, you're the janitor all the way up to the CEO, right? And you know this too. Things don't go. Plans don't go the way they are. Calendars get jacked up. So in a virtual environment, you could meet clients quicker smarter, more effective, show a demo better, have them be able to sign in the moment. There's not a lot uh, of like having to follow back up when you have them already connected. You already showed them all the technology, you presented the value um, and you're helping them solve a solution. Okay, here's, can we just do, uh, I got maybe two more questions. Can we just do a, a quick quick role play real quick? Yeah. Hey, we, we love, hey, us sales trainers, we love role plays, man. Let's go. Actually, I don't, but we want to simulate things. Uh, Dusty, I'm I'm really struggling with my confidence. I'm really um, feel fear about reaching out to clients virtually and like um, 
having conversations and we selling in a virtual format. I'm just kind of like, sales aren't great. I feel like maybe our product's too expensive or they don't like what we have. Like, can you help me with like, just get over this like fear? Yeah, Colin, first off, let's start. Why are you having fear? What, what if I don't get this deal or what if they don't like what I have to say? I have these quotas I have to hit. Why wouldn't you get the deal? Um, I'm just nervous. I feel weird. I feel awkward like talking. <laughs> I, I just feel like they're, they don't have time for me or they don't want to like okay. talk to me. So where does that come from? Why is that happening? Is there experience in the past? Like maybe a face-to-face uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got slammed on you. Well, no, I, you I, I just I, I, I haven't had a lot of success these first few months, like getting like these connections and and like selling. Okay, so a couple of things when you're looking from a virtual environment. Number one, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to hang up on. Mm-hmm. Is that sure. going to hurt? Is that going to hurt Fair. you? Is that going to no, hurt you? Not, kill no, you? Any gonna, of that? No. Okay, no, so that's the no. worst that's going to happen. They're going to hang up on. You. Second thing, let's talk a little bit about you know. You're an athlete, right? You played two sports, Division One college, okay? When you first started playing, were you just superstar at baseball and football when you first walked on the field? <clears throat> I shouldn't, don't, you're asking the wrong person. I started week five in football. My first at-bat was a base hit in baseball. But um, but my point is, no. Colin, so in the role play, <laughs> anything, would you, okay, okay, yeah. let me ask you this. Then. Yeah. As a parent, when you had your first yeah. child, were you amazing out the gate or did you make mistakes? <clears throat> No, yeah, I made mistakes. I made mistakes. Okay. So let's tie this into the job, right? So anything you've ever done in your personal life has taken time to get there. You're telling me you're three months in the job, you're not having results. Okay. But nothing we ever want is instant gratification, right? You have to put in the work. The other thing, let me ask you, Colin, are you hitting the metrics that are needed, right? The daily metrics that we laid out. Let's talk through that. Okay. Also, before I recall, what are you telling yourself? If you're telling yourself you're not going to win, you're not going to win. If you're telling yourself that you're not going to get a sale, you're not going to get a sale. And then the last thing, when you call this person, are you talking to them like they're your grandmother and having a conversation about what you do? Can they feel the liveliness in your voice, how much you love the job and what you're excited about? Or are you having this like tense conversation where they can, believe it or not, people can feel it over the phone. So a lot of this is coming down to you are personally blocking yourself mentally either past experiences, stories you're telling yourself, or you're just afraid of something that hasn't happened yet, right? You're afraid of quota and you haven't been written up. You're afraid of quota and you haven't been fired. Like you're afraid of stuff that hasn't happened yet. So let's go back and let's break it down Yeah. on just conversational techniques. Let's talk through how we're going to have these conversations. Let's talk about word tracks, what you're going to say. More importantly, let's make sure we're hitting the activity metrics because what I will tell you in any sales job, activity breeds result. You can never close something you can't see. So if you're not making the effort on the front end of filling your funnel with the activity, you're never going to close. And that would be kind of the coaching I would do. You threw me off track yeah. with you superstar out day one out of birth. You were hitting home runs. My point That's is not true. No, but, but my, my, my year two was horrible. So that yeah. a sophomore but, slump, that was, but, 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 here, but here's what I'm saying. I want leaders to start thinking about if you don't have a strategy to help people cope with stress, worry, doubt, fear, like you're not leading people. Correct. If you don't have the empathy to give them tools or a strategy to help them move through the fear instead of just like, just do it. Just pick up the phone. Like, you know, you have to give them some tactical strategies, um, question asking. I love that you went into like self-talk. What are you telling yourself? 
I love, um, you talked about like process over outcome, basically doing the, the activity. Um, I love you, you know, you're worrying about something hasn't even happened yet. Like you're going like worst case scenarios already. I think that was good, but uh, I'm looking at the clock. I have another meeting, but I want to ask this last question. Knowing what you know now, knowing what you know now, Dusty, your younger self, what would you teach yourself on how to master your, your mindset? That's a good question, Colin, because I've been, you know, I've been through a lot that has got me there. I think, listen, I wouldn't change any of the ride that I've been on the, the, that's made me who I am today, but I think a couple of things I would change, right? As a younger me, I thought I knew best. I thought I was the best of the best. I didn't necessarily take all the coaching and feedback I could have from people along the way, right? It's hard when you're young because you think you know everything and your elder people know nothing, right? But experience teaches you that's not the case, right? I think the other thing I would tell you is patience, right? It was so unpatient. I wanted to be the top, the best, had to make six figures, wanted to prove everybody wrong. Right. And because of that, I think what happens is sometimes with your mindset, if you're not patient, you're out running any of your problems because you don't have time for problems. You don't have time to digest. You don't have time for mental health because you're just so busy trying to prove everybody wrong that eventually when you reach a point where you have to slow down, that catches up to you. Right. So I think I would I would have took more time to be patient in the moment and enjoy the different the journeys that I was on to learn more. Right. And, and the last thing I would say is. I never truly understood mental health and how it affects everything you do in life until COVID hit and my mom had a stroke and then I started to get anxiety and I started to like have to see someone and talk to somebody. Mental health has been in my family. My wife struggles with it. Some of my kids have it. I never truly understood. And now I do. As a leader, it makes me a better leader too, Colin, because I've gone through it. So from a mindset perspective, I think I would have spent more time understanding mental health, other people, what's going on with them, so that I could relate better earlier and often, and more importantly, make me stronger at a younger age. Because at 42, I'm learning all that now, which I should have learned when I was in my 20s. Yeah, I wish I had this stuff earlier. Yeah, it, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be on the receiving end of help. I think as leaders, uh, high achievers, we're chasing the result, the outcome, the performance. That's why we get our validation, our love. But um, that could hurt you. There's like two sides of that sword, man. It could push you to be great, but also it could destroy you because you're you're grinding, you're not grooving. So that's good, man. Just keep loving, keep serving team. I hey, can I come work for you, man? Colin, get out of here, man. Can, Listen. can I come work at Paychecks? I want to come work with you, man. I, you, just, you just coached me up. But how about this? Why don't you tell people where, where they, they can find you? Yeah, listen, it, you can find me on LinkedIn under Destiny Bailey, right? I, you know, just check me out. Um, come find me. I'd love the opportunity to connect with anybody. And here's what I would just close with, Colin. Get out of here because I know you got another meeting. But four years ago when I met you, right, I've been a top performer my whole career. I finally hit a, a brick wall. And the most powerful thing that you said to me was, what were you doing when you were performing? So my message to all of you guys is performance, underperformance, they come hand in hand life ups and downs, performance ups and downs, right? You're always going to have adversity, but how you get through that adversity and what you focus on is what will make you great, right? And, and that day too, you asked me what my mantra was. And from that day forward, it's been AFW, always find a way, right? And so what I would tell everybody on this call 
find your way, whatever that is. You can overcome, you can get through, and you can persevere as long as you believe. That would yeah. what I would and, say. And, and don't forget to train that mind. Good stuff, man. Love you, dude. I know we're just getting started. We're just getting started, man. The best is ahead. So super fun. Uh, we end every show with this truth. Dusty, the body has limits, but the mind is limitless. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.